0: Hello everyone, I'm Sophia and you're listening to Beyond Study Abroad, the Notre Dame Study Abroad Podcast. Welcome back everyone. So today we've got a very important episode. It's a bit different from our previous episodes in that we won't be highlighting a specific student study abroad experience. However, it is relevant to this week's statement from the university on the future of study abroad for this year. So just earlier this week, the university decided to suspend all study abroad programs for this summer of 2021. So we thought that it was very important and only fair to students to kind of let them know why this decision was made and what were the factors that went into making this decision. As students, we don't really know a whole lot about what happens behind the scenes at Notre Dame International when assessing the safety and risks of the international programs. And I can say this with confidence because I am one of these students who had no idea about any of the planning and the months of work that go into ultimately making a decision of whether or not to continue or suspend a study abroad program. So today we are going to shed a little bit of light on this process. Um, I took the time to sit down with Jamie Signoracci, who is the Associate Director of International Travel and Safety at Notre Dame International and has been leading the tasks of analyzing the risks and safety levels in each country that Notre Dame intends to send students to study abroad in so welcome to the podcast jamie uh thank you so much for being here today can you start off by a quick introduction of who you are and what is it that you do here sure my name is jamie signarachi i am
1: the associate director of international travel and safety with the university of notre dame i've been with the university now about two and a half years And it's been a wonderful experience so far. And thank you, Sophia. I'm happy to be on the podcast today and to answer some of your
0: burning questions. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. So, first off the bat, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your career in global security operations and travel risk management and kind of how it led to your position here at Notre Dame? Sure, of course. So,
1: I've always been interested in international security and geopolitics. My uh, bachelor's and master's is in government and politics with a focus in international relations and international security. And so it wasn't until I relocated to Arizona and was looking for a new job that I realized that travel and the security risk management industry existed. I thought it was always through the government that you needed to get a job in security, like the CAA or the State Department or other agencies. And so I was really fortunate to have stumbled upon this industry and began Working as an intelligence analyst at International SOS, which is the world's leading medical and travel assistance company in the world. So I worked there at International SOS for a while and then looking for a new challenge. You know, I was always aware that universities had these international travel risk management roles. And, you know, considering the work they do overseas and, you know, some of the locations that they operate are also quite risky. Um, When I saw the posting for Notre Dame, I thought I'd go for it, and the rest is history, and it's now been a very easy, you know, two and a half years. It's gone by very quickly. Maybe not so easy the last couple of months, but um, it's been a great experience so far.
0: Wow, I didn't even know that this industry of the travel risk management existed. So good to know we have people like you working (laughs) to ensure our safety. Um, So given your extensive background, I want to focus on just your role here at Notre Dame. So what exactly is your role as Associate Director of International Travel and Safety here at Notre Dame? What are the responsibilities that you come with day to day?
1: Sure. So overall, I provide strategic and operational leadership on matters of health, safety, and security overseas. So I work with our global stakeholders, our gateways and centers, and our staff, and other um, campus units here that support a lot of international travel and research and engagement to lead the development and administration of policies, procedures, and activities that are associated with, you know, the health, safety, welfare, preparedness of our students, faculty, and staff traveling on Notre Dame sponsored or affiliated travel. So um, my day-to-day consists of continuously evaluating international health, safety, and security practices at the university, um, you know, university-wide, but I also benchmark and speak with my peer institutions uh, quite frequently. We have a really great um, network of other health and safety individuals at other universities that Um, Do very similar things that I do. So we're constantly benchmarking and asking each other questions and finding out what one person is doing versus the other, et cetera. And so um, another thing that I do on a daily basis is manage um, and continuously monitor world events and news and trends that may impact university travelers. So I can see um, on a dashboard where all of our travelers are in the world and where our staff are in the world at the moment, which is really helpful in an emergency situation when something significant happens, a terrorist attack, an earthquake, a bombing, whatever it is to see where people are in the world and how to communicate with them as quickly as possible, inform them of what's happening, and to make sure that they're safe and that they need, if they need assistance, we get them assistance as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. I also lead the review process for our travel review committee that looks and examines and
0: assesses um, high-risk travel for undergraduate students. And so is this travel review committee uh, that you just mentioned, the one that's been making the ultimate decision that the university came out with this week about COVID? You know, now with COVID nineteen,
1: some of my roles have, um, my responsibilities have shifted just a little bit. That
0: was going to be my exact next question. <laughs> how exactly? I'm sure in the this era of COVID right now, your responsibilities look very different. Um, so, how exactly has your role kind of shifted or even become much more important uh, during this pandemic?
1: Sure. So, I'm still functioning in my role per normal, but really my role has shifted to focusing on the resumption of international travel and education abroad. And so what that looks like is monitoring on a weekly basis all these certain risk indicators that we've identified that we want to track and trend to see what the trajectory is of the pandemic in these countries that we frequently send students to or hope to send students to in the future. Keeping track of that for not only our pod, our Notre Dame international unit but also reporting up to university leaders on the status of um, international travel, um, countries that people want to travel to, and the, the overall um, forecast of what the pandemic might look like in a country, um, you know, a couple months down the line.
0: Wow, you have so much on your plate. <laughs> That's like so much. Um But this is great to have you here to explain how all of these risk management strategies work. Um, So I want to take a second to focus on kind of the big news that the university announced this week, which is that there will not be summer study abroad programs happening in the summer of 2021. Um, So can you take a second to kind of explain to our listeners why it was that the summer study abroad was canceled, even though now we can get vaccinated and things seem to be getting better, at least here in the United States? As someone who has been assessing all these risk um, risk factors, can you tell us give us a little insight into why it was uh, that the eventual decision has come to it's not safe enough to go for the summer? Sure, um, I am sure all of our students are excited about
1: the vaccination and getting uh, vaccinated soon. I'm very excited as well, but it's the million dollar question. It's very complicated why we decided to cancel study abroad for the summer and proceed with the fall um, as we believe at this point it will, we'll be able to host a full slate of programs for our students abroad this fall. And so when it comes to vaccination, just because you get vaccinated, you get your first shot, you wait two weeks, you get your second shot, and then um, you know you wait seven days to 14 days and you're fully, fully um, it's fully effective. Once that happens, it it doesn't mean that the pandemic is over. A couple weeks ago, we heard President Biden said that, you know, maybe by July 4th, we would be able to host safely backyard barbecues with a small group. He didn't mention anything about traveling international and when that would be safe. So currently, as it stands, the CDC Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and Department of State still advise against non-essential travel overseas. Um, vaccines are also not equitably distributed worldwide and nations haven't agreed yet to vaccine standards. So for example, if you wanted to enter China as a foreigner and be exempt from the very lengthy quarantine that they've established, you would need to have received a vaccine produced by China and you can't get that in the United States. So the U.S. along with Israel, the United Arab Emirates, United Kingdom, and Chile, they're all proving to have a very successful vaccination rollout and we all want to travel abroad but it's not so simple when most countries are very far behind where the United States is. So we're hearing a lot about vaccine passports lately but much is still in the planning and development stages. I Few countries have announced that they will welcome those that have proof of vaccine and exemption from quarantine. That's really great um, and that's a step in the right direction. But most countries have not made these announcements yet. You know, which countries, uh, which shots will these countries accept? Will countries accept each other's vaccine passports? Um, these are questions that haven't been answered, and there needs to be more, I think, international cooperation and collaboration on this, and ro- reciprocity, and understand what that's going to look like.
0: Absolutely, I think that was a great answer and and very informative. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit more about? your work and the work of the Notre Dame International that's been going into the eventual decision that Notre Dame made regarding canceling summer study abroad. So what exactly is being taken into consideration and what are the factors being evaluated when going in to decide to cancel a study abroad program? So international health and safety
1: is taken very serious at Notre Dame and you know Notre Dame International takes a lot of pride in its travel safety program because It's the foundation of all that we do and our mission, study abroad, global engagement, research. We want to go to all these places around the world and do so safely, but you can't do that if you can't operate safely by managing your risks of university, as a department, as a traveler, as a student. And so it's much more difficult to restart operations and resume travel than it is to pull the plug. So what we've done since um, the COVID-19 outbreak last spring is um, develop and collate health, safety, and security risk indicators um, that, when compiled together, tell a story of the current situation and forecast for the future. So with the global pandemic, we added a number of public health risk indicators to specifically monitor the current situation and trajectory of the COVID-19 virus. So when we look at public health risk indicators, we're looking at the World Health Organization reports and transmission classifications, positivity rates, new case rates, the strain on healthcare capacity and projections for those in the future. Um, Often they can be projected a couple months out, um, whether or not a surge is coming, how long that surge might um, take and when we might be able to see cases decline. We also recently this semester have started to look at vaccination rates benchmarked against static risk indicators like Efficiency from, of care from the World Health Organization and the Global Health Security Index. So while we're looking at these very specific COVID-19 risk indicators, we're also matching them up against static risk indicators from the World Health Organization and Global Health Security Index to see, um, you know, if a country already had a poor healthcare system to begin with and they're experiencing an increase in COVID cases it's going to overwhelm that system even more quickly um, unless really strict um, lockdown measures and societal uh, regulations are put in place to slow the spread of coronavirus. We also look at flights, flight information, visa processing information, whether or not you can enter a country Um, For emergency purposes, for example, you know, um, oftentimes we have students that do get sick abroad or have emergency surgery. They often um, have a loved one fly out and be with them for a couple of days while they're in the hospital. Because of COVID-19, there's not always that ability to enter a country very quickly like you could before COVID-19. So um, with many of the entry restrictions being, um, for example, a 10 or a 14-day quarantine, there might not be these emergency entry exceptions for students that do get very sick, do get hospitalized abroad, and won't be able to be supported by a family member or um, a guardian in the event of emergency. So that's really important for us, I think, to think about as well. And in doing, in looking at that, we also look at the status of US Embassy operations. We're a US based university. The majority of our students are US citizens. And so we wanna know if our students had an emergency, and we needed the U.S. Embassy to get involved, would they be able to act in an emergency as quickly as they would before COVID-19? Would there be a delay? Are there restrictions for embassy personnel on the ground um, in order to support our students abroad? All of this paints a picture of how risky it is to travel to a given location and to send our students there for an extended period of time. In the summer, it can be three weeks to six weeks to eight weeks. And so um, we take all that into consideration. So I know that was a lot, but as you can tell, I think from what I said here is that, you know, we take this very seriously and um, we don't want to send our students back into countries or locations that are not prepared to safely um, support them in the way that students are accustomed to. There's a certain level of health care that our students are accustomed to, level of safety Um, and also the student experience is a huge consideration. Will students be able to have an experience comparable to what they thought they were going to have and still make that experience worthwhile for them? Um, We don't want to send you to a location to then be on Zoom classes, learning remotely the entire semester and not being able to participate in those cultural activities you thought you were going to. So if the student experience is going to suffer, that's also a huge factor in our decision making as well.
0: Wow, so I'm sure everyone listening to this right now, myself included, can certainly tell the hours that have gone into this decision making um, and the eventual decision of canceling the summer study abroad. So who is it that actually makes this ultimate decision? I know Notre Dame International and you yourself are very involved in the risk assessing and putting together the, um, the plan, but Who is it that ultimately makes the final decision whether or not a study abroad program will continue?
1: Sure. So um, NDI, myself, has been tracking um, all these risk indicators in all these countries since their beginning. We began meeting about the summer semester um, at the end of January, NDI leadership Um, We've discussed the current situation, the forecast for summer and fall with our study abroad partners and our gateways and centers, including the challenges that still would be faced if students would go abroad in the center uh, in the summer. Um, And then we met with the travel review committee. um, Virtually everywhere, (laughs) unfortunately, still meets our definition of high risk. And so this committee is charged with evaluating health, safety, and security of um, new and existing Notre Dame travel in order to assess the risk um, of travel to a particular destination and make sure that that it's sufficiently managed or mitigated for the travelers and for the university. And so that committee met a couple of weeks ago, and then ultimately university leadership discusses um, our analysis, the travel review committee's recommendations, and um, the president and provost um, are are informed of a recommendation that's made by um, Notre Dame International's Vice President and Associate Provost, provost for Internationalization Michael Pippinger. So it's, a, um, it's not just an NDI effort. You can see that there's many people involved at the NDI level, um, across campus with the Travel Review Committee, and then at the university leadership levels um, with the President and Provost ultimately to make the decision.
0: So can you kind of use an example for us, maybe uh, Rome or London or Dublin or a popular Notre Dame study abroad program and kind of explain to students why it's just simply not possible to study abroad in these places that might be perceived as safe and the same as America, um, why it just isn't possible to study abroad in these places this summer.
1: Sure, I'm happy to provide some examples. So with Rome, um, for example, they just went back into lockdown. Cases are surging again. There's a strain on the healthcare system um, and so we know with that lockdown, that, which they're still in at this point, um, once they're able to come out of that lockdown, it's going to take several weeks, even months, for those cases to come down, because their vaccination rollout program has also been slow. Um, right now, you can't leave the Lazio region, which Rome is a part of. There's a nightly curfew. There's movement only for essential purposes, and non-essential businesses are closed. Students wouldn't be able to go to any of the cultural attractions, and if you were to try to enter um, Italy as a student right now, you'd have to quarantine for a full 14 days. You can't get out of that any earlier. For London, they're barely coming out of lockdown now, and they have very clear goals that need to be reached before moving on to the next um, phase of uh, rescinding the lockdown. So while cases are dropping, they want to s- we want to see those cases continue to come down. Um, And so right now, the UK is being very, very purposeful and very clear that if these conditions aren't met, they're not rolling it out to the the next lockdown phase. And so um, with that, it's really challenging to make a decision about summer study abroad, because if there's a hiccup or delay in those stages, that pushes back the ability for students to, say, visit museums or leave the London area or you know, really have an impact, I think, on their student life um, experience while they would be in the UK. So you'd also need a quarantine for 10 days to enter the UK right now. You need to get tested on day two and day eight to be able to be let out of quarantine after 10 days. And you can get out of quarantine early um, after testing negative on day five, but you have to pay for those costs completely yourself and they can cost up to four or five hundred pounds. So again, it puts a real um, strain on our students that, you know, possibly can't afford that. And so there's definitely some, some concerns there and you still really can't enter for emergency purposes. You still have to complete that 10 day quarantine. And lastly, in Dublin, they're still under a level five lockdown. um, and that's going to stay in place for some time still there isn't really a clear roadmap of when um, that lockdown is going to be rescinded and how the phase resumption is going to look like coming out of that for life to normalize. It's estimated that things really won't resume normally until, um, you know, at least July um, in Ireland, unfortunately, we're seeing cases drop, we want to see those come down even lower. And if you were trying to go to Ireland right now, you'd still need to quarantine for a full 14 days, which is a huge deal for our programs that are three, four, five weeks, you have to quarantine for almost half the time of your program. Um, it really defeats the purpose of sending our students over. So those are some of the reasons why, especially with those three programs, we just simply didn't see a way to run those safely and to our students to have a very good experience um, in, in participating in those in those this summer.
0: Thank you. I'm glad that we actually went through those examples because that certainly sheds a lot of light on why those specific programs can't occur, which are probably the most popular. Um, Um, And I will mention one more
1: thing is that none of these countries have come out and said that they will um, exempt travelers from quarantine um, if they show proof of vaccine. So really trying to make decisions on a lot of unknowns and variables is really challenging for the university to do. So you can kind of understand with that explanation versus, uh, as well as what I explained for Rome, Dublin, and London, why it, it just wasn't very clear that the the program should proceed this summer, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we know that the summer has unfortunately been canceled. Um, so I kind of want to look ahead a little bit for the fall 2021. Can you share some of your thoughts where this is headed for study abroad and what are some maybe changes that students can expect to see in their programs in their host countries coming this fall? Sure. So,
1: um, you know, we do expect at this point in time, while, you know, countries are either still in lockdown or are just coming out of lockdown, um, we are expecting countries that we send students to for the vaccination rollouts to pick up in the coming months and for those case numbers to go down while those vaccinations go up. We see the fall semester, giving um, the university enough runway to prepare our students, but also give those host countries enough runway to um, get their case numbers down, vaccinations um, even higher, and things to resume, resume to as normal as possible before our students hopefully arrive this fall.
0: Absolutely. And I know that there's still, as you mentioned, a lot of uncertainties in terms of travel restrictions, visas, and other factors that are being managed by the host countries that they would be in. So what, in your opinion, are some hurdles or challenges that students may face as they go to study abroad this fall? What should they be wary of and be um, like informed of that will be different for sure? Sure. So, you know, any location
1: our students go to this this fall, they're going to have to follow the host country laws and regulations and, you know, any lockdowns that happen per that host country. So you know, while Notre Dame very well might have some rules and restrictions in place, they're really going to be uh, needing to follow the host country rules as closely as possible because there are very high fines and possible jail time for not following those rules and regulations. And those are things, if you do break them, that the university has no power in in supporting you, unfortunately. Um, And so I would say that's one thing is that Um, you know, that's one change that students couldn't expect that, you know, they'll be vaccinated, which is amazing, but they still might need to follow a set of rules and regulations and, you know, might have to wear masks in certain public places or still physically distance, um, in, in crowded indoor spaces, um, per the host country's rules and regulations. I'd also say that, I would advise students not to really plan on any extensive travel outside host country borders. Um, If there's a new strain that is um, found and countries decide to lock their borders down because a vaccine isn't working against this new strain and a student gets stuck abroad outside those host country borders, there's very little the university can do to get them back in. Um, And if they are able to get back in, they'll have to quarantine on arrival. Um, for an extended period of time most likely and that really impacts their ability to learn and continue their program. And so I would advise students to save any sort of personal travel or save any visitors coming over like family and friends until after the semester is over um, to ensure that it's not going to impact your academic program participation and that uh, you would be able to do those things you've been setting your heart on doing um, with your friends, family, until after the program, and do it
0: safely. So how is it, you've mentioned a lot of things that will be different, obviously, and that students should be informed of, like, the host country rules. So in your opinion, how can students best prepare to have this safe and healthy study abroad experience while following all of the restrictions that the host country has and making the best of their study abroad program at the same time?
1: Yeah, I think it's extremely important for students to really pay attention in their study abroad pre-departure orientations. Um, those started to get hosted for the fall The last in the last couple of weeks. I've participated in most of them. Um, you know, I've been doing a quick 15-20 minute overview of the COVID-19 situation um, as it stands so we can start to set students' expectations that you know, these countries that you wish to travel to, there's still a lot to overcome. And we're hopeful that these countries will, will do that so we can send students abroad there safely this fall. But it's really a, a requirement for students to really pay attention during those orientations, to ask as many questions as possible, to get their parents involved and ask questions to their study abroad program director, to myself directly. I'm happy to answer a question. But to make sure that they're well informed of the current environment, as well as some of the risks that they may face that would be different under a normal semester. So understanding that this is going to be a different semester and a different experience than you had imagined, maybe when you had originally signed up for study abroad, is really key to best preparing um, I think, students them, themselves. I think understanding those few things that I listed are just really key to understanding and best preparing students for, for study abroad in the fall. It's going to be different, but I think it's still going to be a very worthwhile experience for students to travel abroad this fall.
0: I think so too. I, I certainly hope so, given my experience uh, two falls ago, which was great. So I hope that students have the same um, experiences abroad. Um, You mentioned students may have a lot of questions concerning how it will be different, concerning the decisions that the university makes. Um, So how is it that Um, they will be able to get answers on these topics. So questions like, is it still safe to go abroad? Or do I need to quarantine? Or what are the rules in my host country? And what happens if I get COVID while abroad? Um, So how is uh, Notre Dame International kind of providing advice and information on these topics to answer any questions that students may have?
1: Yep, so there's a new FAQ that's listed on the study abroad homepage um, that was just updated to include information about the fall, uh, the summer cancellation and um, fall study abroad as well as health and safety uh, questions and concerns. So a lot of the, answer, or the the questions that our students and parents might have um, are probably answered in that FAQ. Um, but then I also mentioned that, of course, our study abroad program directors and myself are always available for consultation. Um, email us anytime, call us anytime. Fall is also a very long time away and things can change. So we encourage students, to monitor the Department of State, CDC, country pages. So checking on the travel advisory, the latest alerts sent out from the embassy in that location. Um, You can also check the embassy website. Each embassy has a COVID-19 information page that lists all the COVID-19 information you want to know for that country. And it's updated periodically as the situation improves or deteriorates on the ground. So I think that's another really key source. And then also linked on our website, you can look at information that International SOS publishes about that host country with as it relates to COVID-19 health and other you know security um, events that might um, impact our travelers. So you can kind of keep up to date, I think, with all of those, the Department of State, the CDC, the local U.S. Embassy um, website, as well as
0: international SOS. Absolutely. And not to mention this podcast episode right here, which I'm (laughs) sure is very informative for a lot of students um, that might not have known the majority of the things that you talked about. So thank you so much for sharing all this information um, and your background and experience with us here today. I just hope students and anyone that's listening to this Steps Away
1: knowing that There's a lot of care and thought and analysis that goes into these decisions, and so it's not done lightly. Um, It's a university-wide decision, and we hope to resume international travel and education abroad as normal as possible, um, whatever that looks like now, post-pandemic or during the pandemic, um, in the fall, and do it in a safe, as, as safest way as possible. So thank you again, Sophia.
0: <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much for joining us. So I know this episode went a bit longer than our typical weekly episodes, but given the relevant nature and importance of this topic, especially after the decision released this week, I personally hope this episode was long enough to convey all of the essential aspects that go into the assessment of the risks and safety associated with studying abroad right now. So we really hope that students, parents, faculty, everyone really listening to this episode right now, now have a better understanding of the way that study abroad decisions are being made and kind of what to expect in the future of study abroad going forward. So thank you all for listening. And as Jamie said, if you do have any questions at all, do not hesitate to reach out to any NDI staff member or the website for more information. And with that, we'll catch you all next week as we continue to venture beyond study abroad.